We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kicks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Hosted by Alex Blevin and Andrew Freeman on Overtime Media. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by The Bear Report. I'm Andrew Freeman, and I'm happy to be joined by Usaid Kolschel. Uh, Usaid, how are we doing today? Doing well, man. Excited to get this podcast going again weekly. How are you? Doing real good. Uh, we're recording this episode on Wednesday, October 21st. Uh, following the Bears' win over the Carolina Panthers on Sunday, you know, you said it may be hard to believe based on how this team has played at times over the course of this season. But the Bears are now 5-1 and one and alone at first place in the NFC North. So what are your thoughts on that game Sunday? And how does this change your outlook on what to expect from the rest of this season? It was a typical Bears win. I mean, listen, the offense, again, once again, took a couple steps in the right direction, which is, again, like we've been waiting for like a solid offensive performance, especially because the Bears brought Nagy in to kind of revitalize the offensive side of the ball here in Chicago. Now, looking at it, it was – there's a couple things that they have to work out, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Because, like, the first touchdown to Cole Komet, okay, look, yeah, you get the touchdown, but then you look at the kind of sequence leading up to it. It was another one of those situations where the defense put you in that situation – so great job capitalizing on it. But then again, there was a delay of game. There was the other penalty that uh, 
happen. And so right now, like for the Bears, they have a couple things here and there that they need to, especially on the offensive side of the ball, they have to go out and clean up. They're sitting at five and one. But the reason that people have a problem with this five and one Bears team is because it's not a five and one team like the Chiefs, for example, or, you know, an NFC heavyweight like the Saints that are coming up in a couple weeks here or the Rams who have looked really good this year. So the Bears still have a lot of work. They're five and one. Yeah. But they still have a lot of work to do in terms of really establishing themselves as a legitimate Super Bowl con- contender. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the offense, just a lot of inconsistency right now. Uh, Nick Foles had a really bad interception in this game that was kind of tough to see, especially coming off of, like you mentioned, the Bears setting up the Bears offense. Uh, Eddie Jackson made a great play on the ball there to force a fumble on Mike Davis there to set that up. And then Nick Foles immediately throws the ball right away. So you can't have those type of things. Uh, you did mention, though, Cole Komet getting his first touchdown as a Chicago Bear, as a rookie. Uh, that was exciting to see. You know, going forward, one of the things I'd like to see is a little bit less Demetrius Harris out there, a little bit more Cole Komet. You know, you drafted Cole Komet in the second round for a reason. I get it. It's a rookie tight end, and those guys, it takes a while for some of them to kind of, uh, you know, get used to the NFL game and get going there. But, you know, I just don't know how much Demetrius Harris brings to this Bears offense. You know, I know he's a good blocker, but – He's just not the receiving threat I think they need from that position right now. And let's see what the kid has in Cole Komet. You know, again, you drafted him in the second round for a reason. He's your first draft pick for a reason. Let's see what he's got. But, you know, in terms of a positive thing, I think the takeaway has to be the defense. They're really starting to get into gear over these last three games or so, I think, um, especially the pass rush. The pass rush was phenomenal uh, on, on Sunday. Uh, Robert Quinn had a very nice game. Bilal Nichols made a couple big plays early. Uh, Mario Edwards, the guy that uh, he was kind of an underrated, you know, kind of an under the radar type of uh, signing right before the season, but he's really started to come on as a, a sort of situational pass rusher here and there. So a lot of exciting stuff to see on that defensive side of the ball. And, you know, we'll see how they keep on going. They have a tough stretch coming up. They got the Rams coming up on Monday night. Uh, they got the Titans, like you said, coming up. They got the Saints at home. We know about that Saints game last year was not a bright spot of the 2019 season, to say the least. So they have a tough three-game stretch. If they can go one and two in this stretch here, that'll set them up very well, I think, at the minimum, I think, uh, going forward. Yeah, definitely. Going back to kind of the tight end situation, I mean, Demetrius Harris, the biggest reason that he ended up here in Chicago this offseason was because he was actually familiar with Matt Nagy because the two were in Kansas City. So kind of having that experience and having him in the room as a mentor alongside Jimmy Graham for your eventual future, which is Cole Komet, I think is really playing a big part. I know some people have been like, well, why isn't Komet seeing the field a lot? Look, I think what it is is this is tight end is one of those positions where you really don't expect these guys to get into year one and then make a major impact. All right, look at George Kittle. He's a fifth rounder that basically broke out in year two. So, and then really took the big jump forward in year three. So, Komet's another one of those guys that like, yeah, he's going to have a smaller role during his rookie season, but definitely once 2021 rolls around, I think they'll give him the keys to the positional room, to the tight end group, which is basically going to say, hey, look, you're now the future of this like tight end room. You're tight end one going forward. Yeah, hopefully we get to see some more snaps from Connect going forward. That'll be something that will be very encouraging. You know, the Bears already had a good draft, I think, last year when you look at Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney making immediate impact on offense and defense, respectively. 
So if, if Cole Komet, as their first draft pick, can really start to get some playing time here and start to show that um, he has a future in this offense as a, a standout at tight end, especially Matt Nagy's offense, which relies on the tight end quite a bit, that will be a huge positive going forward. Uh, so switching gears, I guess, to the topic of today's episode, now that we're getting past the Bears here and they're success so far this season, uh, we got a good amount to get to here for this episode of the Picks for Pace podcast. Uh, the Big Ten is set to start this upcoming weekend, so we'll be previewing a couple games there. We got some players to talk about, and of course, we got to have some thoughts on that Georgia-Alabama game from this past weekend. That was a, a very exciting game filled with a lot of NFL talent, a lot of guys that will be going early in next year's draft, so uh, excited to get that to that, but but first, it's time to talk to you about our sponsor for today's episode, MyBookie. Between the NFL, college ball, and MLB playoffs, there's no, shortage, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn to your game day into payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value as well. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use our promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports, and more. Sign up today and begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. All right, Usain, uh, moving on to our first real topic of today's episode. I guess it would be a good time to start talking about some players that have stood out, especially over the past week. And I think someone we'll have to start with is Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU. Uh, this is somebody that has started to gain some traction as a quarterback that has seen a bit of a meteoric rise up draft boards for a lot of people in the scouting process in the early going of this season. You know, he's a third-year starter who – you know, he hasn't necessarily been spectacular for his first couple of years, but it seems like Wilson is starting to put it all together here in 2020. He threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns this past week against Houston in a, a nationally televised game there. Uh, he completed 78.7% of his passes, 1,641 yards, 12 touchdowns, and only one interception on 12.1 yards per attempt so far this season, and that's only in five games. So, you know, Zach Wilson, when we're talking about quarterbacks, you know, we've talked to Ignazin about the top three when you look at Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. But, you know, it's been a question mark for this quarterback class about who's going to be that fourth guy to kind of separate himself and maybe push his way into a first round. Um, and we saw last year with a guy like Joe Burrow, a guy who didn't really do much his first couple of years in college football, but really stood out in that last season at LSU. Uh, I wouldn't say it's quite the same thing because Zach Wilson, he's at a lower level competition and Burrow was putting up historic numbers uh, for his last year in college. But it's kind of similar in that Zach Wilson, a guy who really didn't uh, separate himself much as a quarterback, you know, beforehand his last few years in college. And now 
going into this draft process, he's really starting to improve and, and things are starting to click for him. And um, it's exciting because, you know, the Bears, they're going to be in market for a quarterback. And if they can get, you know, a guy like Zach Wilson, and maybe he, if he can continue to improve like that, that's something to monitor, I think, for the Bears going forward. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, another guy that you mentioned as t- technically having like, I, I mean, I like how you use the Joe Burrow-esque comparison in the sense that he could have a rise like that just because last year before the season began, I mean, not many people knew who Joe Burrow was. I guess some people had him pegged as like a six-round draft pick. And now all of a sudden, Wilson is experiencing a similar rise in the sense that we know that the top three, like you said, locked into this class are Lawrence, Fields, and Lance. But the thing is, is that with the way the Bears' season is going right now, they're probably going to be picking in that twenty, that mid to late first round range. All right, that means essentially that if Wilson's there, you have to make a play for him because I don't think he's ready, because he's not ready to start day one in the NFL. But if you have him sit behind a guy like Foles for the first eight, nine, ten games of the season, then you're in a situation where it's like, okay, you can develop him. I mean. That's, you know, honestly, my thoughts on the uh, entire situation. Yeah, I'll be honest here. I had no idea who Zach Wilson was going into this season. It wasn't really start until he started to uh, get going here in the early games and uh, some of the other draft Twitter guys out there were starting to hype him up a little bit that I started to pay attention to what he's done so far in his college career. Um, I'm not sure if I'm willing to buy into his hype quite yet as a first-round talent but there are some intriguing traits that suggest that if he can keep this level of play up that it wouldn't surprise me to see him be picked in the first round when it comes to next spring you know I love his ability to improvise and go off script uh, when making plays Uh, he can make some wacky throws from a variety variety of different angles you know weirdly it kind of gives him an advantage on screen passes because he can kind of sell that he's just doing a normal drop back as a drop back pass in the pocket and then next thing you know he's you know, awkwardly throwing a sidearm ball to his running back, and it's usually dead-on accurate. And it helps kind of keep BYU's screen go- game going efficiently and, and keep defenses off balance, which I kind of like. You know, when you look at his arm, you know, I think it's fine. It's not spectacular, but he can move around a little bit too. He's got solid mobility, generally accurate down the field. You know, I'm still searching for that special trait to justify that first-round pick, and he makes a lot of dangerous turnover-worthy plays that – so far, he's been getting away with it. He needs to clean that up a little bit, I think, over the course of this season. If he can do that, uh, that'll be huge because we saw with Mitch Trubisky, yeah, he can move around and he can make some throws off balance and, and do some really impressive stuff like that. But his pocket presence was very poor here in Chicago. I think that was one of the reasons why he wasn't able to have that type of success that you'd like to get from a guy like Trubisky with his mobility. Um, when you look at guys like Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and some of the other top quarterbacks in the NFL today, what separates them a lot from some of these other guys that flame out is they have that ability in the pocket uh, to sense the pressure, know where to scramble, and that internal clock to know that, okay, if I can't get out of here, if I, if I can't get the ball out in this uh, amount of time, that I have to make a play and create something. So that's something that I'm looking forward to see if Zach Wilson really has that. I haven't been able to see his All-22 film as of yet. So if we can get – that at some point sometime this year um that would be really interesting to see um so far there's only so much you can do judging these quarterbacks based off of what you see in youtube and and clips and what you're watching live on these games but you know zach wilson is a guy that i'm intrigued by i'm gonna keep an eye on him and it should be interesting to see what he does going forward 
Yeah, definitely. And I think like, you know, looking at his kind of draft projection, I would not be surprised to see him being like picked in the second round, for example, because the thing is, is it's like, so in terms of draft capital, like if we're talking Wilson to the Bears, we know that Chicago's got a first rounder. We know they have a second rounder as well as a third rounder. So really with one of those three picks next year, ideally, because you have a staff that's probably going to be returning because of the ESPN report, right? That means like mm-hmm. DeFilippo, Nagy, Bill Lazor, Dave Vergone even potentially. These are all four guys in the room that have experience with the quarterback position. So all of a sudden, I think, you know, this whole thing of like, well, the Bears should, you know, move up for a guy like Fields or Lance. Like, yeah, there's some truth to that. But at the same time, when you have a staff that has four QB coaches on it, then you then you have a guy like Wilson, you know, who you look has some potential, has a couple things like you mentioned, the turnovers to clean up. And then all of a sudden you realize, okay, you know what? Maybe we don't have to spend the first round draft pick next year to trade up for a QB. Maybe we can make do with a guy like Wilson who, again, like I just mentioned a moment ago and you mentioned too, has some red flags in his game that you want to work out to make him the perfect quarterback prospect. But the reality is there's not really any perfect prospect by any means. These are all guys that situation plays a big role when they get to the NFL. And I really think that this current staff right now, even with Pace leading the way in terms of being the GM, they're much better set up to develop a quarterback than when they were when John Fox was in town, because when Fox and Logans and Ragone were in town with that whole thing, it was just a mess top to bottom. Now there is some stability. So whoever you pick next, there's a pretty decent chance that they pan out because mainly because of the staff. Yeah, I, I, I agree there. So certainly, you know, when it, when it comes to Matt Nagy, you know, as the head coach kind of running the show here, you know, when you look at the results, he's definitely to get another year. Like you said, that ESPN report, it sounds like, there are no plans for the Bears unless you see a, a complete collapse this year, of course. But it sounds like Pace and Nagy are going to get another shot at picking their quarterback of the future. And whether that's Wilson or one of these other quarterbacks in this draft class, I'm assuming they're going to be aggressive in trying to get their guy in this upcoming draft. Now, there's a lot of other needs to fill in this roster, especially in the offensive line, which we saw last week against the Panthers. Uh, really, the past couple of weeks, really, when you look at it. But um, – yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do there because I, I don't think trading up would be very wise unless they know for a fact that, you know, they're, they're really confident in the guy that's available to them. You know, we saw how that kind of backfired on them with Trubisky. But, you know, the thing with the Bears is they're kind of low on draft capital over the past couple of years because of the Cleo Mack trade and, and some of the other moves that they've made to try and go in and win now in this, in this window here. And, if you know, I'm not sure if trading up again is the right move. I think being patient and maybe seeing if uh, a quarterback can fall to them would be ideal. And, you know, if the quarterback's not there, you know, so be it, best player available, try and get that offensive line going. And you have Nick Foles under contract for, you know, a couple more years here, and maybe you can see what he has going forward for another year as a bridge type of option. Yeah, definitely. And that's the th- thing too, right? We we kind of have to account for this is that like Foles, yeah, he's here with the three-year deal, but his thing also, you know, his deal also has like opt-outs and whatnot. So if he's playing well enough, he could opt out and retest free agency. Personally, with the way Foles has kind of been handling himself in press conferences, I do think that he is the next bridge quarterback here. You can tell that he's very friendly and gets along with the media. So the next quarterback that's going to walk into the room in Chicago, the young rookie, I mean, he'll have an opportunity 
to learn from one of the best mentors in the game, in my opinion. Yep, and that's that's certainly valuable when we look at Nick Foles. You know, Nick Foles he's not a guy that ideally you want to be your starter, but there's a reason why he's probably the best backup to ever play in the in NFL history. When you, when you look at it, you know the guy is a, a true consummate pro, and uh, his teammates love him. You can just tell from the way that you see him in these press conferences and the way he handles himself on the sideline, um, and the way the defense is playing since he's taken over. The defense has seemed to take gone to another level with Nick Foles at quarterback, and I think that's because. Uh, there's a trust factor, I think, with a lot of the players in this roster that they know that they can rely on a guy. Even though Nick Foles is going to be, it's going to be rocky at times. You know, he's not the greatest quarterback, obviously, but um, he's definitely someone that I think this team trusts, and um, that that'll definitely impact how they uh, approach drafting a quarterback. I think coming up in the next couple of drafts or so. Um, in terms of other players that have stood out to us, uh, one player that really had a good weekend as well last week was J.C. Horn cornerback on South Carolina is switching over to to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Horn, he's the son of former wide receiver Joe Horn, who formerly played for the Saints. If you recall that famous NFL clips where uh, Joe Horn, he scored a touchdown and then he pulled a cell phone from out under the goalpost. Um, That's one of the greatest all-time touchdown celebrations, I think. Uh, Just classic right there. But he had an outstanding game when you you look at uh, J.C. Horn. Uh, he had an outstanding game versus Auburn. Uh, two interceptions, four passes defended. Um, he really did a nice job against Seth, Seth Williams, who's another wide receiver that could be drafted pretty high in this upcoming draft. You know, Williams had four receptions for 74 yards, but all of those receptions were definitely toughly earned, I think, in this one. I, I think Horn definitely held his own. And, yeah, I mean, the Bears don't really have a huge need at corner, but I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, Foley's kind of getting to the end of his contract. Obviously, they drafted Jalen Johnson. But I think there are a lot of interesting things with Horn that could be intriguing if the Bears are in the market to add more talent to cornerback because, you know, you can never have too many corners in this league. Pass coverage and pass rush are the two most important things, I think, besides, obviously, again, that quarterback position, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, for, like you said, I mean, Horn really impressed this past weekend. But – for me personally, I'm watching Alabama line, and we'll get into it here when we discuss Alabama and Georgia. But one guy that I really liked what he did this past weekend was, um, you know, Alabama's own Dylan Moses, the linebacker, because this is someone that last year we look at and we were talking about, okay, so if the Bears don't bring Danny Trevathan back, then you're in the market for a linebacker because we all knew they were not going to bring Kukowski back. Moses tears his ACL, and he's drawn some mixed opinions, but he played – pretty decent in this um you know actually did I think real well did real well in this Bama versus Georgia game but the reason that Moses is kind of my guy to watch is because like it's been very clear this year Trevathan's lost a step and so now you do have to wonder I know you're locked into a contract with him for two more years through the end of 2022 but maybe if Moses is available you consider pulling the trigger on him and just making Trevathan like a two down guy because I think that Moses is not what Devin Bush or um, Roquan Smith were coming out of college, but I think that he would fit in really well next to Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack in this defense. Yeah, speaking of Roquan, he's playing – it should be noted that Roquan's playing at a really high level right now. Uh, In his third year, it's really awesome to see. He's kind of started to really put it all together, I think, as a player. and um, That's something that the Bears definitely needed. They they invested a lot in uh, Roquan Smith. And, 
it seems like he's starting to pay off now in his third year. But like you said, yeah, Dan Trevathan starting to lose a step. I mean, Trevathan's played a little bit better over the past couple of weeks, but I mean, he's definitely not what he once was, especially in pass coverage. His pass coverage has been definitely problematic. He's a bit of a liability there. So, you know, Dylan Moses is a guy that has that juice that you want from a linebacker, moving sideline to sideline, has the, you know, potential to be very good in coverage, I think. And um, overall, I think, you know, there are a couple of linebackers in this class. You know, we'll get to a couple other linebackers, I think, in this episode. But uh, linebacker is a sneaky need. I think if there's any position that should be addressed in this upcoming draft, because, you know, I'm of the opinion, I kind of made this tweet out earlier this week, that the Bears are, you know, their number one strategy, their number one priority in this offseason, especially in the draft, has to be to fix the offense. But if there is one position where they should prioritize uh, drafting, I think it has to be linebacker on the, on the defensive side of the ball because I think you're pretty good at the defensive line. Ryan Pace and uh, Jay Rogers, the defensive line coach, have proven that they can take you know any veteran off the street and get really good production out of them. It seems like you know you're you know you're set at edge rusher with Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, cornerback. Uh, they've invested quite a bit in that position in the past couple of drafts. And I feel like, you know, with Eddie Jackson at safety, you can plug in anybody at that other safety spot, and they're going to play at a pretty high level there. So linebacker really is the one question mark because there isn't a lot of depth there. There isn't really that one future piece to take over for Trevathan. Um, that's definitely something to look out for, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, there's a couple like, so this one – Okay, so you have Micah Parsons, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have Dylan Moses, and then you also have one that I think could make some sense for the Bears, which would be um, Michigan's Cam McGrone. I mean, I've watched you know him play last year. He had a pretty decent year last year in his first actual season starting. And now all of a sudden, like going into year two, you have to wonder, is that like someone that's a legitimate star in the making? That he could be one of those where it's like, okay, he's – not necessarily – well, okay, you could say, yeah, he's too good to pass up on if he reaches his potential. But then at the same time, it's just like if Trevathan's starting in 2021, right, maybe McGrone just fully gets to take over in 2022 because he's really jumped off the screen as someone that's super physical and whatnot and someone that's rangy too, which obviously – and then he's got some speed to his game. And those are like the three characteristics that you need if you're going to play a linebacker in the modern NFL. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I haven't had too much time to go into his tape. It'd be interesting to see, um, you know, where he's at when it comes to the draft process. Just to, uh, you know, get a little background, where do you think, you know, his draft stock is as of right now? Okay, so as of right now, I would say it's probably like, a second round, a second round pick. I, I firmly believe that with just looking at the talent across the board in this draft, you know, aside from the quarterback position, you know that next year your first round is going to be heavy on offensive tackles because mm -hmm. you have a couple, you have five or six that could go in round one, and then you have the wide receiver position which is loaded, and then obviously things like edge rusher and linebacker, those are going to be positional needs as well. So from a grown personally, he's going to be one of those guys that kind of just gets lost in some of a lot of the conversation that's taking place. Right. So I think right now he's a surefire second rounder, but then again, it's just like when we do hit that kind of February, March time slot every single year, what tends to happen is combine season comes and goes 
teams are bringing in prospects for visits. I believe teams are allowed 30. And then what ends up happening is there's a guy that has a strong combine that without the combine probably would have been like a second, third, fourth round pick. Now all of a sudden this guy's vaulted himself into like early day two conversation. I think for McGrone right now, that is where his stock is. Yeah, I think day two and maybe early day three would be the perfect spot, I think, for the Bears to address that linebacker position. Because like you said, uh, addressing that offense, especially on day one, we look at all the offensive tackles that will be available. You know, you look at Alex Leatherwood being a guy. Samuel Cosme is a guy from Texas that could be up there. Uh, Jackson Carmen from Clemson University. Uh, those are, you know, among many other offensive tackles that could be available to the Bears. And I think – we, again, we saw this past week that the offensive line is still a bit of an issue for them. They need to get younger at offensive tackle, especially with Leno and Bobby Massey getting up there in age and their contracts started to, to come up, you know, a little bit here. They're, they're going to be guys that the Bears might have to move on from. Um, but like you said, day two or day three, you know, that would be a perfect spot, I think, for to address that linebacker position because obviously that's a guy that you expect to be a starter on your team, but you don't necessarily have to start that guy right away. He, he can be someone that, you know, you can put on the bench for a year, let him learn under Dane Trevathan, um, you know, who's one of the better, you know, more cerebral veteran linebackers in this game still right now. And even though his physical tools aren't quite what they used to be, he still brings a lot of value in terms of that mentorship and, and leadership aspect of things. All right, so we're going to move on then to uh, the Alabama-Georgia game. We have a lot to talk about there. Uh, before we do that, though, we're going to take a quick break here with a quick word from our sponsor. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. Moving on to our next topic of this episode, and that has to be the Alabama-Georgia game uh, this past weekend on Saturday. Uh, this is a hyped-up matchup between the, at the time, number two and number three ranked teams in the country. Alabama won 41-24. to uh, it was a game that kind of started off a little bit sloppy. There were some turnovers there in the first half. And Georgia, they kind of played to their style as a team. They're more of a defensive-minded team. And they were able to take a 24-20 to lead going into halftime. Um, it seemed like Alabama was able to come alive, though, in the second half. And, you know, it really started there with a 90-yard touchdown bomb to Jalen Waddell, you know, from Mac Jones that – really put Alabama ahead and the wheels started to really fall off for Georgia. I felt like from that point, uh, some important stats when you look at this game, Mac Jones quarterback for Alabama, 24 or 32, 417 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, uh, Waddle and Devonte Smith wide receivers for Alabama. Both of them had 160 yards receiving just absolutely fantastic, fantastic production from the wide receivers. And then you look at Naj- Najee Harris, uh, running back there for the Alabama, 152 yards on the ground. He's just an absolute beast, I think, in their rushing attack. Like you mentioned, Dylan Moses, he had a nice game there, 10 tackles and a sack. And then Christian Farmore, a guy that I'm really looking forward to to watch Alabama, on Alabama this defense on their defensive line. He had one sack and two passes defended. Uh, he's a guy that's been a rotational player over the past couple of years, and uh, it seems like he's starting to get more playing time now in, his, in, his, in this year in college. And then 
On Georgia's side, you know, not a huge lot to talk about here in terms of anyone that stood out, I think. But look at Richard LeCount, safety for Georgia. He had an interception and a pass defended in this game. And then Zamir Wright, running back for them, 10 carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Didn't really get a lot of opportunities, but he's a running back that a lot of people are high on, especially in the middle rounds of this draft if you're looking for uh, another running back to kind of add to your team there. So what are your general thoughts from this game and uh, anyone that really stood out to you in this one? Yeah, general thoughts from this game was that I felt like it was a typical, you know, Alabama kind of game just because, you know, Alabama's always seemed to be on the primetime slot here, especially when I have a chance to watch them, which is like every couple of weeks. But anyway, the thing with Bama is this, right? This showed kind of the explosive, um, you know, offense that they are. I mean, you mentioned like the second half started kind of with that, or the, really the rally, I want to say, started like with that big touchdown. Um, I think that when you look at Bama, right, they have a trio of really good wide receivers this year, like Jalen um yeah, like, you know, Jalen Waddle and Devontae, Devonta Smith, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Those are two guys that I think are going to be surefire first-rounders. I mean, they honestly blew the doors off the Georgia defense. I mean, Mac Jones, who a lot of people seemingly seem to have in question for – or question, can he be quarterback for? They look at him as a riser, too. He played a really solid game. And I know Saban had some really good things to say about Bama versus Georgia. But, yeah, this kind of showed to me, like – this game basically between Bama and Georgia showed me this is why Alabama is kind of the king of the SEC and why everyone else still is looking up to them. Yeah, for, for Georgia there, I mean, it just comes down to, for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to figure out their offense over the past years. years. And, you know, they had Jake Fromm for a while there, at quarterback, and they've let a lot of talented quarterbacks go, though, and transfer to other schools, which is just – the things that I, that I just don't get, you know, Jake Fromm was fine as a, as a college quarterback, but uh, when you look at some of the guys that have, you know, come through that program, you know, Justin Fields is among them. I mean, how do you let Justin Fields leave when you have a guy, when Jay, Jake Fromm's your starter there, you know, Justin Fields now, he's obviously having a heck of a career so far in Ohio state. He's going to be a guy that's going to be picked really high in this upcoming draft. And, um, and again, it came down to the quarterback again. They just did not have that production from the, from the quarterback. And I, I do believe that is uh, his name, JT Daniels. Is he still is he available for them to play this year? Yeah, I think so. JT Daniels is available, but it's interesting because I actually saw a report earlier today, about an hour before we recorded this show, mm-hmm. saying that Kirby Smart basically publicly said that look, I'm sticking with Stetson, Stetson Bennett as my quarterback, the same mm-hmm. one who played this past Saturday night. So really like with Georgia, I mean, okay, yeah, they have a couple of great pieces. I forget the name, but the Dalvin Cook's brother plays there too. But as a wide receiver, you know, he had the one really big play, which kind of was a momentum swinger in the first half. But the point is, is that like Georgia, I think that their season's going to come down to once again, like you mentioned the quarterback play, right? Because you're right. They have let a lot of like really good QBs go. I mean, as far as I remember, I think the last like, really legitimate QB to come through Georgia was Matt Stafford. Um, You know, they've kind of been in the up and down quarterback purgatory for like the last decade or so. And unless they somehow land like a top notch five-star recruit over the next couple of years, it's something that just is not going to change. Even though like, I really like Kirby smart as a coach. It's phenomenal at what he does, but you know, he's looking like, like I said earlier, him smart and, 
Georgia, they're looking up at Alabama right now because they seemingly can figure every position out but the QB position. Yeah, we mentioned JT Daniels being a guy that maybe could get some playing time here. And I believe they had, they had Jamie Newman in, in their program. I'm not, I'm not sure if he transferred out again or what, what the deal is there. But Jamie Newman, he was a guy that had a lot of draft buzz, I think, as a day two quarterback for this next draft. And, um, you know, obviously he's not playing there. So it's just I don't understand it personally. I think they have a lot of talent at Georgia. It's kind of being wasted there. Um, but definitely not on the defensive side of the ball. I think the defensive side of the ball – uh, you can definitely see that they have some guys that are going to be good playmakers at the NFL level, like they do, like, all the time. And, you know, we've seen the Bears go back to Georgia quite a bit to get some uh, impact players in their drafts. Um, you know, we look at Roquan Smith, you know, Riley Ridley, Leonard Floyd, I mean, Javon Wims. I mean, Georgia's a popular team, I think, for the Bears to kind of get their college talent from, it seems like. Um, one guy I was looking forward to watching on Georgia specifically was uh, – Jordan Davis, defensive tackle for them. You know, when you look at the Bears, Eddie Goldman and uh, Keem Hicks, I mean, Keem Hicks especially, he's getting up there in age, and um, he's got, I believe, one year on his contract left after this season. So you don't know whether he's a guy that they'll be keeping long-term. You know, I, I would have hoped they do because he, he appears to not be slowing down anytime soon, it seems like. He's still playing at a very high level. Eddie Goldman, though, you know, he's got a couple years left on his deal. Eventually, they're going to have to move on from one or even both of those guys at some point. And so you'd like to have that big-bodied, um, dominant, you know, people mover in the middle of that defense to really plug up holes and stop the run. And, and you know, Davis doesn't have the pass-rushing ability that those two have in Goldman and Hicks, uh, not even close, I think. You know, Davis, he's a guy that – he's definitely a late-round, mid-round type of player that you get to – Show up your run defense. He's going to be dominant in that aspect as a nose tackle. And if you can get anything from him as a pass rusher, that's just a plus. But, you know, he's a guy that I've been looking for for a bit now as a guy that could be a mid-round target for the Bears. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, and you kind of mentioned, like, yeah, the Bears have gone back to Georgia, especially on the defensive side of the ball, a lot the last couple of years. And I think that, like, they, you know, Georgia's got a couple of really intriguing players that are coming out here for that are expected to essentially be in the 2021 draft and so it's like it's going to be interesting because I've always said that yeah you have a lot of your core on defense in place but then again there are those spots you know certain positions as well where you're like you know what you could use more depth here you know like a guy like Buster Screen's getting up in age so do you go to um Georgia and for example take a guy you take a look at someone like Tyson Campbell the cornerback right so a lot of like different things here that the Bears could certainly look at when it comes to, um, you know, Georgia's got a lot of different kind of, you know, there's a variety of positions that we can look at and be like, all right, so this is a guy like Monty Rice, the linebacker, for example, another one to kind of keep an eye on if he decides to deploy for the 2021 draft. Like that's someone that's going to be a day two, day three pick. The Bears could invest in him and then eventually groom him to take over next to Roquan Smith. Yeah, and then going back to Alabama's side, you know, when you look at their offense, I think we have to talk about Jalen Waddle and what he's, his draft outlook is starting to look like because, you know, Waddle's gotten a lot of comparisons, I think rightly so, to Tyreek Hill on the Kansas City Chiefs. And you look at what Hill can do for that Kansas City offense in terms of being that explosive deep threat, a guy that can take the ball short and make plays after the catch. 
um, a guy that you can run a bunch of different little things from to get him the ball in space. Um, Waddle seems to have a very similar skill set. You know, I don't know if he's quite as fast as Tyreek Hill, but I mean, they're not too far off, I don't think. But Waddle, again, like I mentioned, he had that 90 yard touchdown in this game. Uh, he's just a big play waiting to happen. He's been doing this all year long. He's a guy that, you know, along with a guy like Jamar Chase at LSU, you know, Jamar Chase has been a guy that we thought would be the unquestioned wide receiver one in this draft. Waddle's definitely making a good case that that spot could be for him because he just has that game-breaking ability that you can't teach from a lot of these wide receivers. Yeah, you can teach a guy to be a better route runner or improve their hands a little bit, improve their savviness, but man, you can't teach speed and Waddle has it in spades and I can't imagine what, I mean, obviously Darnell Mooney has been a nice addition to the Bears so far this year as that deep threat for this offense, but I can't imagine when a guy like Waddle, who's got truly game-breaking ability, what he could do for this Bears scheme, and especially with Nagy here running the show. I, I think he's been, you know, chomping at the bit to get a guy like Tyreek Hill in his offense, and, and Waddle fits that mold pretty much perfectly. Yeah, you know, to your point regarding the speed, I mean, listen, that's the one element you're right. You can't teach that in the NFL. The reality is that you either have the speed or you don't. I think historically when we look at this kind of Andy Reid offense, what's happened is like Deshaun Jackson, in my mind, was the first true like speedy deep threat that I remember about a decade ago, all right? And this was Jackson when he was like right there, uh, you know, as one of the best receivers in the league. And then you enter a guy like Tyree Kill, right? And now – all of a sudden, last year, for the deep threat for Alabama was Henry Ruggs. I think that this year, yeah, it's, you know, for, and I, by the way, I pounded the table so badly for Henry Ruggs. I was like, look, if there's a way that the Bears can somehow get up into range, I know it was unrealistic. I was like, if Ruggs is on the board, you got to consider taking him, right? This year, it's Jalen Waddle, And I know that, yeah, the Bears have A-Rob and they have, well, okay, A-Rob, let's just say he's back here next year. Mooney's going to be your slot guy, but Waddle is the one that you can kind of line up opposite A-Rob on the other side of the field and then see production. I mean, Nagy said basically time and time again, the, the, I mean, the offense needs speed, right? It's an offense that's built off speed. You know, you have Tariq Cohen, who's kind of your gadget guy, but again, like we can't line up Tariq Cohen on the outside and expect him to have like 60, 70 catches all the time. I mean, he's going to be David Montgomery's compliment when he comes back next year. So essentially for the Bears, right, Waddle has got to be high on your draft board because his skill set right now, like he's the guy that would step into this offense day one and then have an instant impact, and it would be noticeable too. Yeah, and he would probably have to replace a guy like Anthony Miller, I think, long-term in this roster. You know, Miller's a guy that I loved coming out of college, coming out of Memphis. I think he, what was it, 2018 drafts that he was drafting in. The Bears traded up in the second round. You know, Anthony Miller is actually my number one wide receiver that year. I love Anthony Miller as a player, as, as a prospect. and But it, it can't be ignored anymore. The lack of consistency with Miller is just killing the Bears' offense right now. We saw that game against the Panthers. You know, he has, the, he has that short reception where he has the first down. And for whatever reason, he makes a decision to try and break the tackle. He goes backwards. And all he had to do is just lean forward. He's got the first down. And those are the type of mental errors that just kill you, especially with an offense like the Bears that – you know, your margin for error is very small on this offense because Nick Foles, he's just – he's Nick Foles. He is what he is. He's going to make some nice plays. He's going to make some bad plays. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he's not going to elevate the offense. You know, he's going he's gonna to play to the level that the offense provides him. And, you know, when you're making mental errors like that, you just can't have that. 
So as much as I love Anthony Miller, he might be a guy that the Bears need to consider moving on from, and, and if they can get an upgrade, that is. And I think Waddle would be an easy upgrade because he just brings that game-breaking ability that you cannot teach, and that's just something that's very important, I think, for this offense that has struggled once again to get explosive plays. Yeah, I mean, to your point, like, listen, people, I think people kind of forget this, right? So the Bears actually traded during the 2018 draft. They had two second-round picks that year, and the second one, they acquired it by trading back into the second round, and they gave up a 2019 second-round pick. So ultimately, you look at, like, the Pace's investment in Miller is essentially two second-round picks, right? Because everyone kind of thought that he is – Antonio like not necessarily the next coming of Antonio Brown in terms of the skill set but his play style was very similar to Antonio Brown's right and so the reality is the Bears they've kind of failed with the Miller experiment and you need a third guy to step up because like right now I look at it right so you have Robinson you have Mooney and then you have Ted Ginn who's obviously he doesn't have a future with this team he's just here to kind of mentor some of these younger guys Riley Ridley, who I, by the way, thought during the 2019 draft was a steal in the fourth round. Uh, he was one of my favorite players coming out of the draft in 2019. He's inactive almost every week. Javon Wims, I mean, basically we're sitting here in year three right now, and he really doesn't even have a true role on this team, uh, kind of a special teamers, but he's not a regular part of the offense. So you have to look at it and realize that, okay, right now wide receiver for the Bears is pretty much Robinson and Mooney, and that's about it. And then if Robinson does leave next year, then it changes up the dynamic of kind of what the offseason is going to look like because then in addition to figuring out offensive line and quarterback, your quarterback of the future, now you realize you're going to have to add wide receiver too to the mix of needs that they're going to have to address. Yeah, and that's a spot they don't want to be in because, you know, they, they've invested a lot in this defensive side of the ball, but they need to start, you know, shifting over to the offense and starting to get that fixed because that's the problem here. And the quickest way to get into consistent contention for a Super Bowl is to have a consistent offense that year after year is productive. And right now they just don't have that. Uh, getting more production out of that wide receiver position is, is definitely something that would lead to more success there, especially if they can kind of get that quarterback position. Nick Bowles can get some better chemistry in this offense and, uh, we can start to see this thing start to come together a little bit more. Uh, they're going to need some guys to step up going forward this season and going forward to the future. Um, so before we get to our, our last topic here, we're going to take one more break. Uh, so hang on tight. We're going to take one more break for another word from our sponsor. Every day can bring changes, challenges, and opportunities that can also change your personal or business financial goals and priorities. As a true partner, Sandy Spring Bank can make it all a bit easier. Someone who really listens, understands, and then creates solutions in hard times and good times. We'll always strive to be your advocate today and every day. That's real banking for real life and real business. Visit sandyspringbank.com real. Member FDIC. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, kind of concluding this thing by going over some big games coming up this upcoming weekend. I think you say we have to start with the Big Ten. They're getting their first games of the year coming up here, their first slated week of the 2020 season. So that's definitely something that I'm excited to see because I'm more of a Big Ten fan, so to speak. You know, Illinois is kind of the school that I always rooted for uh, growing up as a kid. And uh, speaking of Illinois, the first game of the year for the Big Ten Conference is Illinois traveling to Wisconsin on Friday. Uh, that's going to be on the prime time of the Big Ten Network if you have that. But a couple of interesting players to look out for here. 
Um, you know, I'll start with the Illinois side of things because there's they're not as well known. I don't think they have anybody on their on their team that I would consider a high priority or a guy that's going to be drafted necessarily very high in this draft. But maybe some guys that could be a sleeper here. You know, for a team looking to get some extra depth in the sixth, seventh, fifth round, maybe or even undrafted. Just some guys to kind of keep an eye out, I think, for the rest of this year. You know, I'll start with Kendrick Green. He's an offensive lineman for Illinois. He plays left guard for them. You know, he's going to be a junior this year. He could declare early if he has a big season this season. And uh, he's a guy that has a lot of the physical abilities that you want from your offensive lineman, especially at guard in today's NFL. You know, he needs, he needs to develop a stronger anchor and pass protection. But this guy can really run block. And I think he's a guy that because of his strength and his ability to move, he's very scheme versatile. You can run inside zone with him. You can run outside zone. He can pull. He can run. Uh, on, on those stretch plays, he can get out there on the edge. Um, he's very mobile on screens, which is very nice. Um, good power at the point of attack and um, just a lot to like there. But, again, he's a guy that needs some help with his technique. And, again, he needs to get stronger in his lower body, kind of get that weight going. So he isn't getting pushed back into the lap of the quarterback every single time in pass protection. Uh, we've, we've seen that being a, been a huge problem for the Bears so far this year. Um, they just haven't been able to establish a clean pocket, especially in the last couple of games or so. Um, but yeah, Green's got to keep an eye out for me because I'm interested to see what he has to offer in terms of his uh, development. Yeah, definitely. He's one of those guys that it's like, okay, you look at and you realize like, yeah, he's not going to be on everyone's radar, but certainly, you know, and this is where I think the Bears kind of have an advantage because compared to like other teams, because like Illinois being one of the local schools, you know, when the Bears do eventually have their local pro day in like February or March, you know, Green's going to be one of those guys that if he declares, he's definitely going to be there. And I think, like, for him, you know, this is the year for him to, like, I mean, this is a bit of a generic statement, but this is a year for him to really kind of raise his draft stock and prove that, okay, look, I can, you know, instead of being, like, undrafted or, like, a sixth, seventh-round guy, no, talk about me as a fourth or fifth-round guy because we have seen over the last few years, right, there's, um, you know, teams will draft guys late, and then what happens is they end up sitting in year one, but then all of a sudden you look and especially for the offensive linemen, they do end up starting year two and put together some really nice year starting. And even if Van, um, I'm sorry, Green is not that guy. I look at it and I'm like, all right, you know what though? Like you would still be a decent depth option for the Bears. I just feel like under pace, the depth option and what I'm sorry, depth has always been like an issue, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, yeah, if Eddie's doing great this year, for so many years, us fans kind of took, you know, fans and writers and kind of like blessed to have Kyle Long. We took him for granted. And all of a sudden, like when he wasn't playing last year, we saw like, my God, the offensive line is actually one of the worst positional groups on the team without him. So the Bears need to do their homework on a lot of like interior linemen here because I'm not sure if Eddie's going to be back, right? And maybe a guy like Green is someone that you look at and you're like, okay, can he work with Castillo? Probably to at least develop into a serviceable starter. Yeah, at the very least, you'd hope that he'd be a replacement for Rashad Coward as a backup for this line because, you know, Coward, you know, he had a rough 2019 season filling in for Kyle Long, and he didn't really show out, to say the least, on, on a Sunday against the Panthers at left guard, uh, filling for James Daniels. So I look, I look at the Bears, and I think they're pretty set at center and left guard with Cody Whitehair and James Daniels. I'd actually like to see a Jermaine Effetti if they can get him on a cheap deal to get him to come back because I think he has played pretty well at that right guard spot. But 
I'm not sure if he's a long-term answer for them, but you're right. They do need depth there desperately. I feel like, uh, you know, Alex Bars, he's still unproven as an undrafted free agent in his second year. Uh, they drafted Arlington Hambright to be kind of this developmental player at left guard, but you know, he isn't obviously proven yet. He's a seventh round pick. So your expectations shouldn't be very high uh, for what he can offer long-term. If he, if he can develop into anything, I mean, that's a, that's a win there, but um, yeah, left guard or just really interior alignment in general has to be something that this team looks at in terms of depth on day three, especially because they need to get, if they're going to address offensive tackle, that's something that they'll have to address early. I feel like in this draft, just because, you know, a lot of the talented guys are going to be going early and often with how important offensive tackle is in today's NFL. But uh, they can, if they can find a value pick, uh, I think Green has a good chance to be one of those type of players. And uh, speaking of a potential value pick, I think uh, another player in Illinois, Josh Imator Bebe, wide receiver for Illinois. He's a big physical wide receiver. He's got good straight line speed and reliable hands. Uh, He's been held back by poor quarterback play. He doesn't really separate well, but he could be a nice red zone threat, I think, in the NFL. Again, not a guy that you're expecting to go really early on in this, in this draft or even in the middle of the draft, but sixth, seventh round. I mean, that's where we saw Javon Wims go for the Bears a couple of years ago, getting him in the seventh round. Uh, Imor Bebe kind of has a similar type of uh, physical build and play style to Wims, in my opinion. So if you're looking for a potential Javon Wims replacement or a competition for Wims, uh, that could be another option, I think, for the Bears as well when you look at Illinois. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, even – okay, I can't even say his last name, right? But um, him kind of being like – you know, last year he had uh, averaging, you know, average 19.2 yards per reception. So it's like the potential for him is definitely there. I think that at the next level, kind of his ceiling is going to be like a wide receiver three. He could definitely, I think, has the makings of someone who could be a three, but definitely like a four is something that he could serve, right? And obviously, like you mentioned it, right? He is kind of like Javon Wims in that sense where he's not going to be like super dynamic after the catch, but he is one of those guys where you can kind of throw, you know, where like Foles could throw the ball up to him. Right. And then, you know, allow his wide receiver to make a play on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if you're thinking about maybe moving on from Allen Robinson, obviously he wouldn't be a replacement for Allen Robinson. I mean, you need to get another a legitimate number one wide receiver to come in and replace Robinson, but in terms of, you know, in terms of that big-bodied possession guy for this offense, he can kind of do some similar things in the red zone, I think. Um, when I look at Wisconsin, kind of moving on there, uh, two guys I'll keep, him, I'll keep an eye on in this game are Cole Van Lanen, offensive tackle for Wisconsin. He plays left tackle for them. Uh, you know, he was a guy that I kind of kept an eye on last year. I thought it was a good decision for him to come back and play another year. Um, didn't really impress me as much last season, but I think there are some things to build upon. He's definitely a good run blocker, and that's something that the Bears could definitely need because their run blocking has been awful once again, you know, after the first couple games of the year this season. And, you know, if he's available late in the draft as, you know, another tackle that adds to this team, I think the Bears could be in the market for him. Uh, but then on the defensive side for uh, Wisconsin, uh, Jack Sanborn, linebacker for them, you know, I thought he showed some impressive instincts in his first year, starting in 2019 last year. Uh, he's a good tackler in the run game, very physical. He can shed blocks and play downhill pretty nicely. Um, he does have some shortcomings in coverage, but he's not entirely a liability there. So if you're looking for a guy that can kind of be that hammer to, uh, you know, Roquan, who's more of a sideline to sideline uh, coverage type of backer, 
you know, Sam Ward can be more that downhill, uh, you know, guy that can take on blocks and make plays in the backfield and make it easier for Roquan to kind of avoid blockers altogether and just do his thing where he's running sideline to sideline and he's covering up for uh, the Bears' deficiencies, you know, if there are deficiencies in terms of defending the edge and making sure that there aren't a lot of big plays going to the outside. I mean, yeah, definitely. And Sanborn's another one of those guys where you look at and, you know, you're like, okay, so looking at kind of Pace's draft strategies over the last couple of years, it just feels like as soon as they, you know, early day three hits, he kind of shifts into best player available mode. And then let's just say Sanborn is one of those guys that's like BPA. Then obviously, you know, I think Pace pulls the trigger on him, especially because I truly believe that he fits what Chuck Pagano is trying to build on defense, especially considering um, – Pagano is like, in a lot of ways, an old-school defensive coordinator just because he's been in the league for so long. He's not like some of these younger, up-and-coming guys, right? And like you mentioned, Sanborn. For him, a lot of ways, like, he's just so good against the run. Like, Pagano's kind of established, and we've seen this without Eddie Goldman this year. The Bears kind of have trouble stopping the run without Eddie Goldman kind of anchoring the middle of the defensive line. So, like, Sanborn's one of those guys where I think that he can be a lot like Nick Kwiatkowski was for so many years. Just a situational player his first couple of years. Give him a chance to start if he earns that opportunity. But then someone that, yeah, is going to be, you know, really bring the physicality needed to play the position. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, this is who, you know, when we talk about the Bears linebackers, what they have right now, you know, a lot of people get on Roquan, I think, for not being physical at the point of attack with the uh, offensive lineman. But if you go back to scouting him at Georgia, that was never a part of his game. You know, Roquan Smith was always a guy that would be a weak side backer, a guy that you want to be left clean. And, you know, that's on the GM and the defensive coordinator to make sure that he's putting other guys in the right positions to where they can protect Roquan and keep him from having to take on blockers so he can protect them by using his speed to make plays all over the field. So, you know, when guys get on Roquan, I think for not being a guy that takes on blocks very well, you know, that's just not who he is as a player. So you have to be able to account for that in your scheme and in your personnel. And like you said, I mean, getting another linebacker who can take on that, that more physical downhill, you know, block shedding role, I think that would be something to look forward to because I, I don't think Pagano necessarily wants to have two linebackers out there all the time. He's doing it because Dan Trebathan is a trusted player on this defense, but when you look at Pagano's track record, he's a guy that loves the defensive backs. He loves to run a lot of dime packages. And, you know, if you can get a two-down guy at that linebacker position who can stop the run for you and help out Roquan so he's not having to do all that stuff, you know, I think that helps the defense out long-term. In terms of other games for this upcoming weekend, uh, what are some games for you that you're excited to watch and any players that uh, you're going to keep an eye on for? Yeah, so I'm excited to watch the primetime slot on ABC, actually. So you have number eight right now, 18th-ranked Michigan going up against uh, 21st-ranked Minnesota. And anyway, the reason I'm excited is because, like I said, you know, I want to see what Cam Marone can do this year. But then really, like, when I look at the um, some of the names that are going to be playing in this game, right, I look at um, Rashad – I believe the name is uh, Rashad – Bateman, right? I hope I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, Bateman from Minnesota. I mean, he's one of those wide receivers that I look at and I'm like, okay, so really dynamic when he does have the ball in his hands. Uh, And I want to see what he's able to do this year because right now I think like your top wideouts in this 2021 draft are um, you have, you know, 
Jamar Chase, like we discussed. You have Waddle, you have Devontae Smith. But then I feel like Bateman kind of gets lost in that conversation too. I think that if Bateman puts together a really strong season, then he is going to have a chance to potentially emerge as wide receiver three or four in this class. And his production last year, by the way, was off the charts too, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, he's just one of those guys that you're like, okay, continue to feed me the ball and good things will happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're going to look for a Allen Robinson replacement, so to speak, Bateman would be a guy that I think, you know, in terms of, in terms of the skill set, in terms of the physical profile, he's kind of a perfect, you know, replacement for an Allen Robinson. Maybe he wouldn't be as good early on, but he kind of has that similar mold where he's a physical guy, he's a big guy, big target, but he runs really crisp routes and he's got enough speed to where he can make some plays down food for you, make some plays after the catch. Bateman's a guy that I think, uh, it will be on my radar as well. He's a guy I think is a first-round talent as of right now. And we'll see what he does this upcoming year. You know, Minnesota's got a pretty good offense going for them in the Big Ten with Taron Morgan at quarterback. You know, you know, I'm not hugely high on him as a quarterback in the draft, but for a college quarterback, you know, he does make some plays happen for that offense. And, you know, with Bateman there at the wide receiver, uh, that definitely helps him out quite a bit because Bateman is a – he is quite the playmaker for that offense, and I'm excited what he can do now as a truly the number one guy because Tyler Johnson, if you remember, you know, he had a big role in that offense too last year for Minnesota. He's starting to make some plays down there in Tampa Bay right now for the Buccaneers as kind of a rotational receiver for them. So Bateman's, he's the number one guy, you know, right now. There's no question about it. So how will, well, how will he respond without a guy like Johnson taking some attention away from him? That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, um, you know, Bateman's like one guy that I'm – Bateman's obviously the biggest reason that I'm going to tune in and um, watch this game, right? Just because I believe, like, ultimately at the end of the day, I mean, his – one of Bateman's best skill sets, like you said, right, might be, like, the physicality. And then with that comes kind of the knack for, like, always winning on 50-50 balls. And I think that the last – you know, the few – the times that I've watched Bateman, it's been like, all right – he does not see this as, well, it's a 50-50 ball. He sees it as like 80-20 in the sense that, yeah, throw the ball up for me. I'm going to figure out a way to make a play on it. And I think like that, you're right. I mean, it really does fit like what Allen Robinson has become for this offense and whatnot. So Bateman's one of those guys that a lot of Bears fans right now, you're not like super familiar with him because like I said, all the attention, especially a wide receiver in this class, goes to the three SEC guys. But then again, it's just like Bateman's one of those guys where if he puts together a real strong season, he's going to burst on. He's already burst onto the scene, but he's going to burst onto the scene for the Bears fan base, and everyone's going to fall in love with him instantly. Yeah, but I, I can definitely see that being the case if, you know, the Bears do decide to move on from Allen Robinson and they kind of play it cheaper at that position. I'll point out one more game here as an out-of-big-time out of Ten conference type of game that I'll be watching. Uh, just real quick, I'm interested to see Notre Dame against Pittsburgh. Uh, that's a matchup between – you know, when you look at the, the line play in those games, uh, on Notre Dame side, Liam Eichenberg left tackle for Notre Dame. And then on Pittsburgh, Patrick Jones, edge rusher for Pittsburgh there. Um, I'm really intrigued by that matchup because Eichenberg, he's an off the tackle that, you know, we were talking that the Bears may need to invest in that position in the draft. He's a guy that could be available for them on day two of next draft. And, you know, I'd like to see how he fares against a top edge rusher in Patrick Jones in this class. When you look at Jones – he has seven sacks already. He could be a guy that could be getting that first-round buzz, I think, as the season continues. Uh, Jones has been phenomenal so far this season for the Pittsburgh defense. And, you know, I'm excited to see how he fares against a guy with, like Liam Eikenberg, who 
you know, I don't know if he's a great offensive tackle prospect, but he's, he just has a feel of a guy that will get drafted at some point on day two. And he may never be a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro type of guy, but he seems like a guy that, whether he's a left tackle or right tackle, he seems like a guy that could be a starter for a very long time in the NFL. Yeah, so sticking within this kind of Notre Dame-Pittsburgh game, another guy that I'm going to be watching for this weekend, and it may not be the most popular name by any means, but Pittsburgh safety Paris Ford, because he's six feet tall, you know, 190 pounds. He always is going to be extremely physical around the football, and I think the reality of the situation for the Bears is that, like, last year you had HaHa Clinton. For so many years you had Jackson and Amos, right, and Amos anchoring that strong safety spot. What's happened is now you have – you had HaHa Clinton Dix. You, now you have Tashawn Gibson. I know that some people are like, yeah, well, Deion Bush could take over. But, like, let's be honest with ourselves. I believe that if Bush was ready to take the next step, there would have been no reason for the kind of late third-wave signing in free agency of a guy like Tashawn Gibson. So safety, I know some people are going to be like, yeah, you can find a guy in the later rounds. 100% you're right. You can find a guy in the later rounds. But then again, like Paris Ford just might be a prospect that's too good to pass up on because you get him back. You have like a traditional strong safety that's back in the box, which then opens the defense up, especially the back end, for Eddie Jackson to kind of just be center fielder and do his thing. I love Paris Ford. He's one of my favorite players to watch in this draft. I mean, he he reminds me of old school Ronnie Lott, you know, San Francisco 49ers Hall of Famer there, just he loves to get up in the box. He loves to hit people. He can cover well, too. You know, he's not a one-dimensional box safety, which I love about him, too, as well. If, if the Bears were to be, you know, in the position to draft Paris for, I think in the second round would be the time to target him. Oh, man, you, you got me there. Oh, man, that would be a great pick, I think. Uh, especially if they can't go offense. Paris Ford, he's my guy. Uh, I, I absolutely love Paris Ford. Uh, I, I think this is now actually a good point to wrap up the podcast here. Uh, for picks for pace, you know, on a high note there, we're talking about a guy that I think we're both very high on in Paris Ford. But I want to thank our listeners again for tuning in to us here, picks for pace on all platforms. Uh, you said, where can they follow you on Twitter? All right, guys, so you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. I promote pretty much all my articles and, you know, snippets from like podcasts, whatever pods I'm on, whether it's this one or guesting on another one. I, um, you know, promote all that stuff on there. So just go ahead, shoot me a follow. Send me a DM if you want to challenge anything I've said or if you have questions about anything. Uh, always down to uh, talk football. Absolutely. And you, and you can follow me at Freeman 25 And make sure to follow us on Twitter for the podcast here at Picks for Pace. We'll be doing a bunch of fun stuff on there, such as polls and other things of that nature coming up here where we distribute our content. Uh, we look forward to our next episode next week. But until then... We got a prime time Bears game to prepare for Bears fans. And, you know, I think it's good to say it. Bear down, y'all. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. 
Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 